Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And this week, I want to talk about movie screenings. It's one of the perks of being in the entertainment industry is that you get on lists and you get to see screenings. Imagine going to a movie theater and nobody is texting and there are no screaming babies. Well, uh, if you are on some of these lists, that's what you get to do. And, you know, over the years, I've had uh, my share of invites to screenings, so I thought I would talk a little bit about them, and, uh, you know, there might be an interesting uh, fun fact or two along the way, and the first time that I got invited to a screening, this is when I finally got a chance to join the Writers Guild, We back in 1975, and if you're a member of the Writers Guild, you were able to join the Writers Guild Film Society, so I did, and I remember the very first movie that I got to see was Dog Day Afternoon. And back in those days, it was really kind of neat because they would show you movies like a month or so ahead of release. So you had no idea necessarily what you were watching. But if you'd see a movie like Dog Day Afternoon and it's Al Pacino and uh, Sidney Lumet directed it, you figure, well, okay, this is probably worth seeing. So I go to the Writers Guild Theater. They have a new one, but this was the old Writers Guild Theater which was uh, just off of Melrose. And I'm sitting there waiting for the movie to start and walking up the aisle, Neil Simon talking to Mel Brooks and Larry Gelbart. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm allowed in this room, I'm considered a peer of these guys. So uh, that was my very first one. Now, there have been a couple of occasions where I've had a chance, actually not just me, me and my partner, David Isaacs, to see private screenings. And when we say private screenings, we mean just us two. Now, again, this goes back to the 70s and 80s. Now, of course, if you want to see a movie, there's uh, DVDs, uh, there's streaming everywhere. There's so many different ways that you can go about seeing a movie, even an old movie, a vintage, hard-to-find movie. But back in those days, if you wanted to screen a movie and it wasn't playing, on Channel 5, <laughs> you had to make arrangements. And a studio would do that for you. And the case in point would be when we were on MASH in the late 70s, uh, David Isaacs and I had this idea to do the point of view episode, which was seen through the eyes of a soldier. We knew that there was a movie that was done probably in the 40s called Lady of the Lake, and it starred Robert Montgomery, 
and it was a Philip Marlowe movie, but it was all done point of view. The only time you actually saw Robert Montgomery, who starred as Philip Marlowe in that movie, is when he passed a mirror. But otherwise, it would just be him talking, and then you would see the person he was talking to just staring very uncomfortably at the camera, or they would be talking to you. And what we learned from that experience was it was so awkward when the other actors were just listening while Robert Montgomery spoke. And so we got the idea, why not give our patient a throat injury so he can't speak? Or if he does, he says one thing at the end of the show. And that way, when all of the other actors are on camera, they're all talking. You don't have that really uncomfortable moment of an actor just staring into a camera, nodding. It was so incredibly boring. But that's kind of getting off on a tangent. The point is that the studio would somehow find the movie and rent it and rent a big screening room. I mean, here's a room with 50 or 60 chairs, and it's just me and David watching this movie. Another time I remember we went to Warner Brothers when we were doing volunteers, and we wanted to see Bridge on the River Kwai. And again, just the two of us for this three-and-a-half-hour movie, and they charge the uh, the production for this probably $500. So it's $500 to see Bridge on the River Kwai. We didn't care. It was not our money. What's really strange sometimes is going to a uh, cast and crew screening or worse, a very private screening of a movie before it has been released. When David Isaacs and I were uh, getting ready to do this sitcom for Mary Tyler Moore in 1985, she had just completed a movie called Just Between Friends, and she hadn't seen it. So they arranged a screening for her, Again, one of those private screening rooms at 6.30 at night. And she said to us, hey, want to watch the movie? And we went, sure, yeah, okay, that'll be fun. So we're sitting next to Mary, and this movie is terrible. And you can just, you can just feel the color draining from her face as she's watching this movie. And halfway through it, you're going... Okay, what am I going to say? <laughs> oh, God. And um, you know, when it was over and the lights came up, she was sort of shell-shocked, and we just said, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's just really... I, I got a babysitter that uh, I have to relieve at, at 8.30. That was incredibly awkward. And then there are test screenings. Movie studios will screen a film before it is released. And in a case like that, they'll bring in the general public and they'll do it out in some suburban cineplex and they'll fill the theater with people and uh, 
then ask what they thought. And oftentimes movies change drastically based on the reaction of the test screenings. So David and I, of course, were involved in the movie Volunteers with Tom Hanks and John Candy. And at the time, very nice, the director, Nicholas Meyer, allowed us to be part of the editing process. Now, obviously, we would just make suggestions. Uh, We couldn't say, okay, no, 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 cut to the close-up here. No, 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 lift that. Uh, Those were all Nick's decisions, but it was very nice that, that he included us. And in those days, you still edited on what they called moviolas. Those were screens. It kind of blew up the film, but the screens themselves were 10, 12 inches, something like that. So it's kind of tough to look at a movie that has some kind of scope and you're watching a 10-inch screen. I mean, it's kind of like if you're watching Avatar on a phone. That's what it was like when you would go and check movies that were being edited. So the movie supposedly takes place in Thailand, and Rita Wilson plays a Peace Corps volunteer, and Tim Thomerson plays the Peace Corps director who's really in the CIA. And we wanted to start to show that this guy was nuts. So we have a scene where he comes back after being in Bangkok, and he has a little present for her. And it's this little Burmese statue. And again, we found this through research. Okay, these things actually existed. And the thing about this uh, Bernice Prince is that it had this huge penis. So you figure a guy giving this as a gift uh, is going to send up a storm signal. So we're watching the movieola. And there's an exchange between the two of them. And then he says, well, I brought you back a a little present. And he goes into his bag and he pulls out this Bernice Prince. And then they cut to the close-up of the statue. And and I said, whoa, wait, no, no, you you can't do that. I mean, on a big screen, that's just going to be horrifying. And the director said, yeah, but if it's played in a master and it's so big with everybody in it that that you won't really see the joke of the large penis. So we said, well, okay, let's test it. So two nights later, there's a test screening at a theater in West Los Angeles, full house, maybe eight, nine hundred people. David and I are sitting in the back, and when this scene comes on and they cut to the close-up, there is this penis on the big screen, this giant, giant penis. Every woman in the theater shrieked. Well, David and I had to slip out into the lobby because we were laughing so hard for like 
10 minutes. <laughs> you can't believe the reaction. Needless to say, the close-up came out. We'll get back to more of me in a moment, but first a word from my brand new sponsor, Fields. Now, Fields is a CBD, and it is one that naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover, and there's no addiction, and all you do is you just place a few drops of Fields under your tongue, and you can feel the difference really within minutes. Now, I've used it. I've had trouble falling asleep. Let's just say I tried some gummies for a while and wound up with huge headaches. And with Fields, I'm using just a beginner's drop just to kind of see how it works. And already it seems to be paying dividends and no headaches. It is a, uh, a monthly membership that uh, you can cancel at any time. And you'll save money. If you have any questions, there's a free CBD hotline and they will walk you through and you will feel a whole lot better. And isn't there enough stress and anxiety in the world? This is really, really a good product. So start feeling better today with Fields. You can become a member by going to fields.com slash Levine, and you'll get 50% off your first order, and you get free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S, fields.com. Once again, F-E-A-L-S.com slash Levine to become a member and get 50% off automatically on your first order with free shipping. 50% off, great deal. Fields.com slash Levine. My favorite testing story, I might have told you this before, but, you know, this is like 230 episodes, so I'm bound to repeat something, and you may not have listened to all 230 episodes, but uh, Billy Wilder, the great Billy Wilder, had written a movie for Ernst Lubitsch, classic director back in the 30s, and the movie was called Nanachka, and they went to Long Beach for a test screening. And back in those days, you know, it's not very sophisticated. They just handed a survey sheet to everybody as they were leaving, and they filled it out and gave it to Lubitsch. And they got back in the limo and headed into town. And Lubitsch is reading all of these surveys. And at one point, he just busts up laughing. And Billy Wilder, who's in the car, looks at him like, what was that? And he hands him the survey. And <laughs> what it said was, this movie was so funny, I laughed so hard, I almost peed into my girlfriend's hand. Okay, think about that one. Just like there are Writers Guild screenings, there are also Directors Guild screenings. And one of the great things about DGA screenings is from time to time, especially during awards season, from time to time, the directors will appear and will do a talkback after. One of the great days of my life in the industry was Mike Nichols, the great Mike Nichols, was at the DGA, and he was talking about the movie Closer. Eh, it wasn't that great a movie, but so what? A chance to hear Mike Nichols, who I've never heard anybody speak 
in such well-formed sentences, it was almost as if it was literature. He just answered questions. It was like they had been well-written paragraphs that had been refined, revised, moved around just to make sure that everything was perfect, every sentence, every word was in the right order. That's the way Mike Nichols just talked. Man, it was it was really something. On the other hand, you know, you see some of these directors and they are just such pretentious assholes. Uh, Darren Aronofsky, I remember, he had this movie called The Fountain. It was just terrible. And of course, you know, they get up there and they talk about how brilliant it is and their vision. And you're just sitting there going, God, this is the emperor's new clothes. The worst of those was David O. Russell. Now, you want to talk about a guy who is just a giant asshole. I mean, you talk to people who are in his movies. Uh, I remember George Clooney once beat the crap out of him. That that actors, everybody just hates this guy. He screams, he yells. Well, he was at the DGA one time uh, talking about how absolutely brilliant I Heart Huckabees was, which if you've seen I Heart Huckabee, you probably haven't because it came and went in like 11 seconds. Uh, it is not a masterpiece. And sometimes, and this is really kind of sad, and I admit that, um, you know, I'm part of this. A director is scheduled to speak at the end of the movie. And you're watching the movie, and it's just terrible. You don't give a shit what the director has to say about this movie. It's going to be very awkward. So, of course, when the lights come back on, you leave. (laughs) And there have been cases where, again, I've been part of this, where it's as if someone yelled fire in the theater because the lights come up and just a throng of people, you know, we just flood the aisles to get out of there as fast as we can. So it's kind of embarrassing because, you know, there's five, 600 people in the theater to start. And by the time there's the talk back, there's 36 people left sitting in the movie theater. Oh God. There's also studio screenings. I wish I had gone to more of these. The thing about studio screenings, you have to be invited. And there are these lists. And you're on A list or B list or C list. And back in the days when David and I were writing movies for, uh, I don't know, Michael Douglas and other various people, major studios, we were on these lists. So we would get invited to screenings and you'd be sitting there and Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are sitting in the row right in front of you. It's like very cool. William Goldman is in the next aisle. How cool is that? Even if it's a bad movie, so what? You're sitting next to William Goldman or at least six chairs away. And they always have popcorn and everything else. It's really a a fun night. And sometimes there's parties. So those are really fun to go to. And you know you're out of favor 
you know that uh, you are no longer really hot in this town when the screenings stop. You know, and it's uh, slowly at first, instead of, uh, hey, you know, we used to get uh, five, six screenings uh, a month. Now there's like one. What happened? But that's how Hollywood tells you uh, you are no longer in favor. You are no longer on those invite lists. What's fun sometimes when you live in Los Angeles is there are celebrity screenings. And like the museum will have, say, a screening. There was one that I attended recently that was really cool. There was a 1950s version of Our Town that was done for television. And it was done as a movie. And Frank Sinatra starred in it. If you know the song Love and Marriage, which is also the theme song from uh, Married with Children, well, that came from this version of Our Town. Eva Marie Saint starred in that particular production. And, of course, she also starred in North by Northwest and On the Waterfront and, God, many, many movies. The woman is in her mid-90s. She's incredibly sharp. And she was there, and they were interviewing her, and she was talking about that movie. And you're going, this movie is like, you know, 70 years old, and this woman is still here telling us about it. That was really cool. Way back when I went to UCLA, so we're talking the early 70s, they had a screening of a silent movie called Broken Blossoms, movie from 1919. And it starred, at the time she was probably 18 years old, it starred this actress named Lillian Gish, who went on to have a long, long career. And she worked, I think, into her late 80s, but she was in her 90s and she was there. Again, talking about what it was like making this movie in 1919. And I actually got a chance to meet Lillian Gish. That was really cool. Going to UCLA was cool for screenings. I took an animation class, a history of animation class. And one night they had as a special guest, Wolfgang Rutherman. Now, any Disney freak may know who that is. He was one of the nine old men, one of the nine great animators in the early days of Disney. And he came and spoke, and he brought a pristine copy of Pinocchio. And to see Pinocchio on the big screen, and to then have him describe how we did this shot and why we did this and everything, that was really memorable and just truly great. Okay, now we get to the cast and press screenings. And I remember an actress told me once, I'm not going to tell you her name, but she did one of these low-budget comedies, Driving School or something like that. And she said they had the cast and crew screening. And when the movie was over and the lights came back up, 
all of the actors were crying. <laughs> when we had a screening of volunteers for the cast and the press, <laughs> it did not go all that well. So after the movie, we are standing in the lobby, kind of a receiving line. It's me and my partner and the director and one of the producers, Walter Parks. And somebody came up, woman came up to Walter and took both of his hands in hers. And this was her review of the movie. Oh, Walter, we love you anyway. <laughs> High praise indeed. As I mentioned, David and I did a rewrite of the movie Jewel of the Nile, which was the sequel to Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone was this great movie, and then there was Jewel of the Nile. Well, we did our rewrite, and they wanted us to go to Morocco and be on set during the filming, which we would have done. That was pretty cool to get that opportunity, but we were committed to writing a pilot and there were other things that kept us in Los Angeles. So we were unable to do that. So what they did is they went and they hired back the original writers who we rewrote and they put a lot of their stuff back in and added stuff. And so there's a line of ours here and a couple of lines there. And there's actually one scene of ours that is intact but otherwise you know there's just little pieces here and there so i go to the the screening and you would figure okay it's an action movie number one and number two having lived with it for several months and having written a version of it that if nothing else it would hold my interest just to see what they were doing with the movie. Number one, how much of our stuff remained. Number two, what worked. And number three, you know, you picture these scenes in your head and now you're seeing them filmed and you're seeing how they came out. So there's a lot of reasons that you would think that the movie would hold my attention. I fell asleep halfway through the movie. I still have not seen Jewel of the Nile in its entirety. And finally, there are screenings for award consideration. Now they send you DVDs. Now they send you codes and you can stream these things. Or you can go to screenings at the Writers Guild Theater or the Directors Guild Theater. And sometimes the... Uh, writer or the director will be there, sometimes the actor. You know, they're all just, uh, you know, trolling for a nomination. Anytime there's a Steven Spielberg movie, there's a program, this handsome program. It probably costs $4 for each one. Spielberg himself never shows up for these things, but still, you know, they go out of their way to try to get you to vote for Lincoln. But, again, old days, to make sure that you go to see these movies, both the Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, I think SAG for a while too, once they started the SAG Awards. 
But to get various Academy members to see all of these movies back before you could watch them comfortably at home, they wanted you to actually go to the theater and see it. And as an incentive, you could see it for free if you showed your membership card. And you would go to the L.A. Times and you would go to the movie section and there would be ads for all of these movies. And there would be like a strip at the bottom of the ad saying if you're a member of the DGA or the WGA, SAG, IBW, whatever, uh, just show your membership card and you and a guest will get free admittance. So you would go to the theater and you would show your card and they usually had a clipboard and you would sign in because I guess the studios would ultimately pay them and then you would go in and you would see your movie for free. So there was some independent movie that I wanted to see And it was only playing at night. And this was like a Wednesday afternoon. I had the afternoon off. And I thought, you know what? I'll just kill the afternoon by seeing this movie. So I look in the paper and I see that the only place that has a matinee is a theater way out in the San Fernando Valley called the Pepper Tree. I mean, it's one of those third and fourth run movie theaters. You know, it uh, was built probably in the 60s and was really kind of run down and is in part of an old mall. But what the hell? I had nothing to do that day. So I got in the car and I drove down to Panorama City or wherever the hell it was. And I go to the Pepper Tree. It's like 1145 in the morning. It's going to be a 12 o'clock screening. There's nobody there. (laughs) Okay, I'm, I'm the only one. So I go up to the uh, box office and the girl who was manning the ticket counter there was probably about 16 years old or so and I said um, yes one for whatever the movie was I forget the movie and I showed her my writer's guild card she goes what's this I said that's my writer's guild card so I can get in for free and she says uh, 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 um, I, I don't know about this i said yeah there should be a clipboard uh where i can just uh sign in and she's looking around the box office and can't find it and goes i um i I don't know any any clipboard what and i said well in the paper do you have an la times because if you have a paper you'll see under the ad for this particular movie it said if i show my writer's guild card that I can get in for free. And she said, well, we, we don't have a paper. Um, I don't know. I said, can I talk to the manager? She says, well, uh, he's not coming in until one o'clock. Uh, I said, well, look, maybe I, I can go get a paper. I, I can show you this. And, you know, and she's getting, you know, really freaked out. And finally she looks at me and she goes, Tickets are just a dollar. Okay, did I feel like the world's biggest schmuck? So needless to say, I paid the dollar. But, you know, I'm like walking through, and I'm the only one in the theater. Again, we're back to private screenings, you know. And, you know, she's trading looks with the 
other 16-year-old who's at the concession counter, like this cheap asshole, doesn't want to pay one dollar. So, yeah, I did not vote for that movie (laughs) for some reason. So those are uh, a few random thoughts on movie screenings. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, to Howard Hoffman, to John Wolfert, to Bruce and Jason Miller. Please email me if you have any thoughts. I am at HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. I'm also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week. See you in the theater. Hollywood and Levine. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.